Hello and welcome back on Watches TV for a special edition of Primetime, which for the occasion will be entitled Showtime, as we will not only talk about the latest industry news, but also come back on the crazy and intense Geneva Watch Week and what we did learn from it, what we like, what we like less, what were the tendencies, talk about some of the brands and watches which we didn't cover with our numerous video reports, well, be prepared for a nice showtime. And since our last edition, well, we really enjoyed going through your many comments and therefore kept it as a single package. Business and new timepieces remain as one. Okay, and let's start with some business news. And I already uh, said this a few times, but I clearly see the rise of watch looting as a serious threat to the industry. Wearing a watch should be all about pleasure, mainly for yourself and okay, sometimes for some little showing off to do. But when you have to feel a little bit nervous while wearing your favorite timepiece, well, this unfortunately goes totally in the opposite direction. I don't see how you can stop people from stealing you and I can't, I mean, you can't put a police guy behind everybody. Reason why, so far, it's on the service side that things can be done and I will come back on two recent initiatives we just heard about. Firstly, Audemars Piguet just launched a new service program offering its clients to replace, repair or refund their stolen watches in response to this surge in watch-related crime we've seen over the past few years here in European cities and in the US. So AP's offer will so far be limited for two years and valid only for watches bought in 2022 and 2023, including the 50th anniversary Royal Oak edition. So in a nutshell, if you have been an AP customer over the last two years, well, you're eligible to register with the program. And if your watch has gone missing in action, well, you can ask AP to replace it or refund, providing the police, the police report, the photo and the serial number of the timepiece. Well, unfortunately, watches that have been resold won't be eligible. And if you have had a specific model that's discontinued, well, you will be offered a similar model from the current collection. According to AP, the program is expected to run on, uh, as a trial until 2024 and then might turn into a permanent offer. It's the first time a luxury watch brand has offered the warranty service to replace or refund the cost of a watch if stolen. However, it might be a new trend as in March, Richemont announced that it has founded a new digital platform to help police forces fight theft of uh, luxury watches and jewelry. The global multi-brand platform called Enquirus is designed to provide intelligence on lost and stolen watches and jewelry. And according to its website, the goal is to create an international ecosystem of manufacturers, insurers and law enforcement agencies to exchange available information on stolen timepieces to facilitate the finding process. So the platform will allow owners to register their collection using the brand and serial numbers. And a special application is also available for uh, iOS and Android. You can report theft or loss or check if a piece uh, you're planning to buy is stolen. Enquirus will also be working with resold watches uh, or, or jewelry and has already listed all of Richmond owned brands as well as Bonhams and Watchfinder and Co. And still in the business section, and this will be a little teaser, but last week we had the opportunity to record a special video coming back on what has become the reference document in terms of industry performance with the 2022 Morgan Stanley report. And we did so with Mr. Olivier Buller, co-author of this report. And you'll soon know everything. And yes, this one is quite long. 
and just wanted to give you a little heads up on this. But let's now talk about what just happened here in the recent weeks and let's immediately start by saying that it was a large success. Numbers of attendees for Watches and Wonders have significantly increased and you could definitely feel that people are back on the move with, for instance, many Asian visitors. People from brands all seem very happy, not only about the, the turnout, but of course in terms of business. And I say this uh, though we've recently heard some uh, big names of the industry to stay cautious. For instance, Mr. Thierry Stern just gave an interview to the Swiss press precisely emphasizing that he sees darker skies ahead despite that Patek is for sure not in the club of struggling brands. Yes, there are many uncertainties out there, but demand is still extremely high and as long as it remains like this, then we're okay. But what needs to be done to keep this level of enthusiasm is another question that some are tackling better than others. So coming back on the show, or should I say shows, well, Geneva was flooded by watchmaking exhibition and activities, and it was simply great. But maybe a bit too great as things were spread out everywhere, and I sincerely still believe that it could be uh, to the benefit of all if things got a bit more centered. We have this massive exhibition infrastructure used by Watches and Wonders, and I'm pretty sure it could house many other brands. Okay, there were more of them uh, than last year, but we could still go further. And actually, I think a full reset should be done. And let me develop on this. Okay, we love the comfort and how well Watches and Wonders is organized, but it, is this really totally needed? I mean, of course, we love the comfortable carpets, this cozy atmosphere, the fantastic catering, the logistics of it. But it feels like a bit too much abundance in a certain way, a bit of excessive luxury. And to summarize it, it feels slightly outdated and not necessarily in phase with the evolution of our societies. And for me, the only way to address this would be with a full reset mentality. I know it's kind of hard with a generally rather conservative industry to go for, a radical change like this one, but nonetheless, I think that it's part of the solution of maintaining the hype around watchmaking. 2023 was most probably a transitional edition and things did get better, don't get me wrong. Most notably the fact that the show was open to the public on the weekend and what a success this has been. All 10,000 tickets sold out and it was simply fantastic to witness the pleasure all these participants had by attending the show. Some brands had uh, nicely anticipated this and you had more open move for people to wander around. And I could really feel that uh, brand people played the game nicely and were very welcoming. So a big congrats to all that made this experience so pleasurable and I just hope it can further pick up from there mainly with uh, more brands under the same roof even if we have different zones. Well, there are solutions and this would most certainly anchor the success of this uh, Geneva week for the long term and let's make it a total uh, celebration of watchmaking. So we even heard uh, that the organizers say that they reached out to Swatch Group brands and uh, wouldn't it be nice to have them back as well as other, I mean, plenty players. But yes, this means a serious revamp and I mean a new exhibition concept. So not an easy undertake, but uh, would be totally worth it and needed going by me. Okay, might still take a bit of time, but I just hope not too long either. The opportunity and timing seems just perfect. So before talking about some of the things we saw and haven't yet covered, well, let me come back on some general trends. Firstly, I would mention color. 
There were so many colorful versions of watches, never seen so many. And I interpret this as being as a, a kind of a sign of people wanting more fun, a bit of lightness in this serious world. And in a certain way, the best example comes from the brand you might have not expected it with the introduction of this playful Rolex Oyster Perpetual with the so talked about uh, colorful bubble dial. Not to mention the special day data, of course. But yes, definitely a trend regarding colors and we could even say pretty vivid colors. Otherwise, well, let's say it wasn't an edition marked by this kind of arms race towards crazy complicated watches as we have already witnessed, but instead a consolidation of mechanical sobriety with this touch of fun here and there. Many more proper ladies uh, watches were also on display, sometimes coming in really small sizes and referring to these pieces of the 50s. And we also saw a lot of titanium watches also going in the direction of extra comfort, Think of the crown stake on it with the new Yachtmaster 42. But then also a lot of platinum pieces and considering that this metal has become almost a bargain compared to the current price of gold, well it's a sound uh, the direction taken by, taken by so many brands. And as a side note, well, when we were presented the Parmigiani Fleurier Tonda Microrotor in full platinum and having by its side the original steel version, well what's not to like with this uh, platinum piece? Impressive. And a final word regarding Rolex because I'm extremely curious how the new 1908 collection will perform as it stands quite directly in competition with some very well established players and models. And in a certain way, I believe that this approach to traditional watchmaking uh, taken by Rolex could stir quite a few surprises uh, in the not so distant future. Okay, let's now cover a few things we didn't yet mention this year. And Cartier brought to Watches and Wonder a range of uh, reinvented timepieces in different sizes and materials, including a new versions of uh, the Santos Dumont, which is supposedly the first shaped watch created by Louis Cartier in the 1900s for the Brazilian aviator Alberto Santos Dumont. The distinctive uh, square shape with rounded angles of the watch was later reproduced uh, by other brands, but the original timepiece stays highly valued among collectors. So the new version of Santos in steel cases come with mechanical automatic winding movement and caliber uh, 1847 MC. There are two different sizes, medium and extra large, which fits and looks quite uh, good on a big wrist. And the two colors of the dial, blue with some uh, green hues and green. And the steel bracelet is also interchangeable to a leather strap. Santos Dumont versions come in rose, yellow gold and platinum and are limited to 200 pieces each. The presented uh, extra-large model uh, comes in a 46.6mm width uh, uh, case and each has an engraved signature of the aviator on the case back. The most interesting, however, is the skeletonized model of the same watch. The rose gold Santos Dumont skeleton has a new specially developed automatic caliber 9629MC which beats at a frequency of 25,200 beats per hour and has a power reserve of 44 hours. So the cool feature of the watch is a miniaturized functional oscillating weight in the shape of a replica of the Demoiselle, a trailblazing plane designed by Alberto Santos Dumont in 1907. And one more skeleton is presented in the Cartier Privé collection, which comes every year with only a few numbered models. So the seventh edition of the collection has a beautiful tank normal in yellow gold with a skeletonized in-house manual winding movement and caliber 9628MC. It also features a 24-hour complication marked by a sun and crescent moon, also skeletonized, and for the ladies, Cartier reinterpreted its Benoit Clash in a mini-size yellow, rose gold and diamond, well, coming with diamond pavé. 
The novelty here is a bangle, which in fact looks more authentic with the shape of the case, making it a pure feminine watch, elegant and sophisticated. Patek Philippe presented no less than 17 new timepieces, and going by the level of appreciation of the new rose gold Aquanote Luce annual calendar, well, let's say that they have a new hit with this one, and despite the fact that it was initially more destined towards a ladies' market, well, it turned out a man simply fell in love with it. It comes in a 39.9mm case, and its main design particularity resides in its blue-grayish dial and rubber strap color. Nice piece, but then we saw a very interesting blue 24-hour Calatrava dual-time, the reference 5224R, which features a 20-hour dial, and you, you do have to get used to this kind of display and not be fooled by the hands position. Instinctively, you would read time by looking at their position, but here probably wiser to properly read the time using this 24-hour scale. But as mentioned, this is a travel time, and you can easily set the second time zone by using the multifunctional crown. No pushes needed, everything is done through the crown, and it contributes to the overall elegance of this 42mm pink gold watch. But then, uh, with the sportier feel, came two new versions of the Calatrava Pilot Travel Time Chronograph Reference 5924G, coming in uh, white gold cases, and this is also a flyback chrono. We also got to see a few other models, but definitely pretty strong showing, without uh, forgetting to mention the beautiful exhibition which took place at the brand's uh, historical building in the center of the city, showing some great works of art, simply exquisite. Okay, let's change environment, as Watches and Wonder was not the only platform to showcase the novelties for the brands who came to Geneva. And uh, I hope you saw our video regarding the HCI and what uh, took place also at Time to Watches. So thanks to the expansion of the salon inside the city, watchmakers were able to present new bottles in several different spots. We had a chance to meet them, including Eberhardt & Company, a Swiss brand with a long history and Italian spirit. To start its presence in Geneva, the Maison brought uh, some upgraded versions of their most famous models. Two new uh, colors were added to the dial of the iconic uh, 8 Days Power Reserve line, which has been one of the pillars of the brand since 1996. The Scarfograph 300 from the Timeless Collection has also got a brown vintage dial to complete the black, green and blue options. This self-winding mechanical watch water-resistant to 300 meter with an automatic helium escape valve was a historical piece produced by the brand in the 1950s and reinterpreted in 2016. Looks cool both on a steel bracelet and on a leather, leather strap. And the third novelty is the rebirth of the Scientigraph, the famous 1961 model that comes back as a solution to the increase of an abundance of a magnetic field all around us. This time Eberhardt & Co. presented the Scientigraph Chrono in the case of only 41mm, despite the integrated Faraday cage, a special enclosure used to block electromagnetic fields. I guess that was uh, quite a technical challenge, but for sure quite a rather successful one. So still in the city, we got to visit FP Journe, whose main attraction was the presentation of the commercial version of the FFC, with this extremely original way of showing time with a centered hand, automaton-like display. The first uh, model had been initially presented for only watch a couple of years ago and fetching a record price. And it took a bit of extra time for François-Paul Journe to come up with this watch of his desire. The way you see it now and what a timepiece it is, I mean, just uh, looks like nothing else. 
totally unique and you might uh, have to get used to which finger combination tells you the how it is but the level of mechanical prowess is absolutely amazing and a fine demonstration of Mr. Jean's talent to say the least. We pursued our journey and there were many brands located at the Hotel Beau Rivage where we got to talk with our friends from Lepe who introduced the Regatta Table Clock a clock inspired by the shape of rowing boats and coming in uh, six different color variations. And when you walk in this uh, display room of Lepe, well, I couldn't help myself thinking of the time it must have taken them to arrange all these clocks, showcasing rather nicely the almost limitless creativity of the brand. And yes, was quite noisy with all those pieces running around and a nice kind of tick-tocking full surround sound. In the same hotel, we saw the latest Doxa pieces, always quite colorful and fun too, and a good brand in terms of price positioning. But then we got to see the first piece from our friends of uh, Art Time, a really beautifully executed, fully open work tourbillon piece with quite innovative solutions, both aesthetically and mechanically speaking. But hopefully we'll talk more in details of this uh, new endeavor in the near future. Another independent name we've been following uh, for quite a while that came to participate in Geneva uh, was Lorige. The Franco-Swiss brand was established in 2018 by two motorsport enthusiasts, Émeric Parot and uh, Clément Etienvre. And uh, the co-founders decided to share their passion for the racing track through watches and have found the most interesting way to do it using unexpected uh, recyclable materials. In Geneva, Lorige presented its first AS01 tourbillon based on the work of Dominique Renault and the expertise of the late Pierre Favre. The LORTC01, TC for Tourbillon Central, uh, movement was created by two watchmakers and consists of 323 parts and is a true technical challenge. It's a flying tourbillon with an analog display of hours and minutes with ball-bearing discs. Each of them receives, in a totally independent way, its own energy coming from one of the two dedicated barrels with 93 hours of power reserve, and the movement uh, is beating at uh, 3 Hz. But the best part is that the 46mm case is made of the carbon brake pads used on a racing car of none other than Ayrton, Ayrton Senna da Silva, the legendary Brazilian racing driver, triple winner of the Formula 1 World Championship. So the extreme material used in racing car is resistant to high temperature. So it takes up to 30 hours in a special technique to reprocess and make it suitable for watchmaking. Plus only eight brake pads from the McLaren MP4-8 driven by Senna in 1993 were available. So it is obvious that the AS01 tourbillon is limited to eight pieces for the price of almost 400,000 Swiss francs. Well, it's only 2% of the 20 million paid for McLaren F1 car at the auction last year. So Lorige has already sealed some good deals with their timepiece. A secret has been shared that their next work could be related to a Swiss racing team. So we're looking for that too. As I mentioned already, Geneva Watch Week has been a huge event, not only for Swiss-based brands, but also for other international names. And one of them is Beausoleil, who came literally from the other side of the earth to present their timepieces here in Geneva. The Australian first premier independent watch brand was created in 2011 and has already left some marks. One of the distinctive features of the Beausoleil is the crown of the watch, which is filled with real Australian sand or any other soil, depending on the model. And you might have seen this watch in the, the Prison Break series on the wrist of Dominique Purcell. And this time, well, Christophe Hope has brought to Geneva a new series of diver's watch as well as a special edition dedicated to the Bathurst 12-hour endurance race, currently known as the Liquimoli Bathurst 12 hours. 
So the timepiece is limited to 100 units and is equipped with the Swiss-made Celita SW200 automatic movement beating at 4 Hz with a power reserve of up to 38 hours. On the stainless steel back case, there's a special engraving with the map of Liquimoli Bathurst, 12,012 hour. And inside the crown, well, you'll find some rubber marbles collected from the circuit. The watch is water resistant to 200 meters and is equipped with uh, two straps, one from stainless steel and one from recycled materials. Next is something many of you will appreciate if you believe that only a dragon can make someone a true king. And Cross Studio, the creators of timepieces for the new generation, paired with uh, Warner Brothers to give birth to a new collection inspired by the legendary worlds of the Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. At the moment, there are five collector sets available, each representing one dragon from the series. And in the set, you will find a new watch with a manual winding pattern floating central tourbillon design crafted and assembled in-house and equipped with the Cross Studio KS7005 caliber. The central tourbillon was designed by Cross Studio founder Marco Tedeschi himself and should represent a dragon floating in the skies. So the dial is made from Valerian steel, which in our realm is called Damascus steel, but it was forged in Damas steel, the same foundry that produced the metal used in the HBO series uh, swords. The Grade 5 titanium case looks and feels like a dragon skin, and on the case back you will find the engraving of the Targaryen seal with the name of the singular dragon that inspired the collector's sets. The watch comes in a special box in the shape of a dragon's egg, also designed by Marco Tedeschi, and produced in collaboration with French workshop Le Blond de Lienne, who recently has received the mark of living heritage from the French government. Altogether, the set looks pretty cool, especially for the fans of the HBO series, and technically quite interesting. I'd say it's a great combination of uh, traditional high-end watchmaking with pop culture and non-conventional design to say the least. And we also found out that Cross Studio is already working on another magical project in collaboration with Warner Brothers. Hmm, wonder what that will be. And for this, uh, you might need to be able to get to a certain platform at King's Cross Station, if you see what I mean. Anyhow, I will stop here with some of the watches we came across recently, but we did produce a lot of individual video reports, and we clearly invite you to check them out if uh, not yet done. But in general, I would uh, really like to emphasize that this has been a great and intensive week. And for me, totally proof that such venues still have a lot of sense, but they need to slightly evolve and be more in phase with a new sense of reality, also impacting the luxury industry. Anyhow, Geneva is most definitely well set to be the number one spot when it comes to watchmaking events of this magnitude and just hope it gets bigger and more centralized makes it just such uh, so more convenient. And we'll also like to congratulate the organizers and all the participating brands which made the event on the night of the 30th such a success. It was sincerely really nice to see that many people in the streets of Geneva having fun and sharing this. And all this thanks to the watchmaking industry. Okay, we got lucky with the weather, but sometimes you do need a bit of it uh, for total success. It's so much fun, actually. It's very rare that we find Geneva this lively. Actually, it's always this lively. It's like a European utopia. It's amazing. It's just an amazing city. Best kept secret in Europe.
But you knew about Watches and Wonders and the fair, Watches Fair that is happening. Look at us. Of course we know about Watches and Wonders. We attend. Yes, we love it. It's an amazing fair. And it's I mean, nice to see all these people from around the world coming and getting to know Geneva better. It's so much fun. It's an international city for everyone and it's got the most important luxury goods, which are watches. Yeah. So we're happy for Geneva. Viva Geneva! <laughs> are you going to go to Watches and Wonders or participate? Of course! Of course! course. <laughs> this weekend. That's why we're here! <laughs> and to finalize our special Showtime edition, just a few more news about the upcoming auctions. And because in a couple of weeks, Geneva will again host Sotheby's, Christie's, Philips, and Antiquorum with exceptional, rarest, and record-breaking timepieces. From the 1st to the 15th of May, Sotheby's will present uh, two parts of the important watch sales, including a special Centuries of Time, a private collection on the 14th. Christie's on the 12th of May will blow up La Région Lémanique with a fantastic auction dedicated to only F.P. Journe timepieces, which will attract, I'm pretty sure, a lot of attention. And Philips, on the weekend of the 13th and 14th, among other pieces, will present a rare 1929 Patek Philippe Calatrava, owned by the last emperor of the Chinese king, the King Qing dynasty. So the history of this watch is as captivating as the life of its owner, and I'm pretty sure that the bidding on this lot will be very interesting to follow. And finally, on the same weekend, Antiquorum will present important modern and vintage uh, timepieces for sale. Always uh, some interesting lots there. So a lot to choose from, I would say, but you still have some time to decide which auction to follow or follow them all. Just suit yourself. So thanks a lot for watching. Remember that we have a special long one coming regarding the Morgan Stanley annual report. And until then, well, the very best to you. Thanks uh, for your support and Viva Watchmaking! <laughs>